to Genesis 19. We'll start there in just one moment. Genesis 19. I've had uh, several people uh, ask me already today, and I was going to let you know that Autumn was not feeling well this morning. She wasn't feeling well yesterday, and uh, so she is not here, and that's where her and the littlest one are. They're at home, and uh, so I just wanted to let you all know um, you know, where, where she was this morning. Also, there is something that I'm very excited about, something I have been preparing my life for for the past, I guess, probably 25 years, and that is a recreation of the Ray Stevens song, When the Squirrel Went Berserk. (laughs) We have a mouse loose in the church building, and I am just waiting that, like, just for it to just run in here and for all the ladies just to start jumping up and screaming in the middle of the sermon, and so... You know, don't do that if the mouse hasn't come. It has to be real, you know, so please, you know. uh, And then some of you are going, he's been preparing for 25 years for this? He's got a sad life, you know. Nevertheless, it's going to be amazing if if the mouse runs in here. I'm, I'm just saying You know, one of the things that um, is often accused of the church is, is that it's demeaning toward women. Now, why is that? Uh, the reason is, and we're going we're gonna to comment more on this in, in a couple of weeks, but a lot of times people say it's demeaning towards women for this reason. You know, oh, you don't have women preachers. Well, there's a reason we don't have women preachers. Uh, because uh, the Bible dictates that. And uh, we're going to follow that. And that's not what the sermon's about this morning. But, you know, there's a, there's a reason why we do these things. And it's not because we don't love the women of the congregation. That's, that's not the reason. The reason is, is that the Bible has dictated things to be just so. And so we want to follow the scriptures. Now, while we're thinking about this idea of women in the church, I wanted to thought, uh, think about this this morning. There are women that we need in the church, and there are women that we don't need in the church. And so I want to talk about those things this morning, kind of leading us up to the thought here in a couple of weeks when we're going to uh, talk about women's roles in the church and what it is that that God would have them to do uh, for the body of Christ. So, point number one, let's talk about first... uh, The negative aspect. Let's end on the positive. So the negative aspect of this is, what kind of women do we not need in the church? Well, we don't need women like Lot's wife. A woman that is self-willed and not willing to give up her past. Let's look at Genesis 19, verses 12 uh, through 29. Genesis 19, 12 through 29, it says this. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whomsoever thou hast in the city? Bring them out of the place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxed great before Jehovah. And Jehovah hath sent sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, who married his daughters out, uh, uh, married his daughters and said, Up, get you out of this place. For Jehovah will destroy the city. But he seemed unto his sons-in-law as one that mocked. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, 
Take thy wife and thy two daughters that are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. But he lingered, and the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, uh, Jehovah being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had, uh, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O oh, not so, my lord, behold now thy servant hath found favor in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy loving kindness, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest evil overtake me, and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. O oh, let me escape thither. It is not uh, is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow the city of, of which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou be come hither. Uh, therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot came unto Zoar. Then Jehovah rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from Jehovah out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the, and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before Jehovah and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and beheld, and lo, the smoke of the land went up as a smoke of furnace. And it came up to pass uh, when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the, of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. So you look at this passage. And the number one thing that we see is they were given a command. They were given a command, get out of the city. And the reason was, as we know, looking at the context, you understand how awful this place was. This was a very, very terrible place to be. And it wasn't so that they had decided that they would live there because it was just a nice place. It was that, you know, they had pitched their tents towards Sodom, and they ended up going into Sodom and living there. And now, they knew, and we know from other passages of Scripture that, you know, Lot did not enjoy living in Sodom necessarily because he was tormented uh, by the people and their, their acts of sinfulness. And so when we think about this passage, we, we see the idea that this was a bad place to be. And God is giving them a way of escape, a way to get out, and then what happens? He says, look, don't, don't look back. Don't look back. You just keep going forward. But what happens? Lot's wife looks back. You know, um, it seems that she was not willing to give up her past. You know, oh, that was my home. But the command was simple. Don't look back. You know, have you ever had a, a child, I'm sure you had, that, that did this thing, you know, have you ever, ever told a, a child, don't touch that, it's hot? You know what inevitably happens in the early stages of life for a child when you tell them that? You say, don't touch that, it's hot, and immediately what do they want to do? They want to touch it. 
And hopefully they're touching something that's not terribly too hot. They don't get a very bad burn. But, you know, you can say, don't touch this. This is hot. And yet they'll touch it. Now, there's the temptation there, you know, for, for all of us. Uh, when, when something is, is not right to do, all of a sudden it becomes something that needs to be attained. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you this example. Uh, I have uh, known of a couple of preachers who had been pursued by women of the congregation even though he were married. Now, we would look at that and go, that is horrible. But you know what has happened is that there are some weaker women in the congregation, and, and I'm glad in these cases there were not weaker men, but some weaker women in the congregation that they saw something that they couldn't have and they desired it greatly. It is kind of human nature, isn't it? For us to want some things that we can't have. But when the command is so simple and God gives it, you know, we need to take heed to that. And she did not. She had to look back. Well, brethren, I'm going to say this. We cannot look back on our old lives. You know, when we became Christians, we, we put those things behind us. We have uh, been resurrected, if you will, to have a new life. That's what we see in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. We are new creatures. And we do not need to go back and look at our old lives. We have to do better as Christians. You know, if we look back on our old lives, there are probably things that we did that we would probably still enjoy today. But it should not be so. So yes, we do not need women in the church like Lot's wife. You know what? We don't need women in the church like Job's wife. Remember Job's wife? Oh man, if, if ever a man were married to a woman like Job's wife, you have, you have not a good thing right there. You know, what, what happened? She get, you know, she is, she's the discourager. No, here it is. Job is, is, is sick because Satan is attacking his health. And what does she say? She, she, isn't, she doesn't find out how she can help. You know, he looks, he, he looks awful. I know he looks awful because of what the scriptures indicate. I mean, he's, he's gaunt and he's got boils. He's got all these things that are horrible going on with his body. Yeah, it looks like even, he, he looks like he is so close to death that even when his friends come, they actually mourn him and won't talk for seven days because he, he looks like he's, he's dying. He's, he's going to die. You know, what, what, what does Job's wife say? Oh, honey, we can get through this together. Let's just put our faith in the Lord. Let's get to curse God and die. That's what she says. Curse God and die. Now, guys, if, if your wife says, curse God and die, you are in trouble. You know, this is not what you want. Curse God and die. And so Job's answer, of course, is a very good answer. And he says what? You speak as one of the foolish women speak. You're, you're talking like that. That's not what we need to do. We don't need to curse God and die here. You know, Job's wife... You know, her name is not mentioned 
in Scripture. But she did not have enough faith to trust God. And she even tried to destroy Job's faith. Oh, we don't need discouragers, that's for sure. And that's not what we need in the church. We don't need women in the church that are going to be discouraging. What about, what about Sapphira? Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, verses 7 through 10. Sapphira and her husband sold some land. Nothing wrong with that. Kept back a portion. Nothing wrong with that. Still nothing wrong. Then they presented the money to the apostles as if this were the totality of the money. We have sold this land. We're giving you all this money. Isn't that great? And then, of course, you know, that's, that's, they had held back that portion. They were deceiving, you know, uh, the, the apostles. But, of course, you know, in so doing, they were trying to deceive the Holy Spirit. And, of course, what happens? You know what? It costs them their life and life eternal. You know what? It, 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 just as the apostle said, it was... It was theirs to do with, you know, whatever they wanted when they had it. But they tried to lie to make themselves look better. It, that's an interesting concept, right? That's, that's new, right? No, that's not new. There are plenty of people out there that lie to make themselves look better, don't they? Now, I know of a, a, a preacher that he was a youth minister at the time, and he, he, uh, was, uh, he loved what he was doing. Uh, but the reason he wanted to preach is because he had known the preacher that he was working with for quite some time. And, well, this preacher was, uh, well, he was giving little illustrations in the pulpit. And he was using himself in these illustrations. Now, the key to these illustrations were that these were illustrations where inevitably he ended up being the hero of some sort of thing. You know, he was always coming out on top. And at first, when you think about this man, you would, you would hear these, these stories and think, this must be a really amazing man. Until one day, this uh, youth minister heard a story in which he was actually present for that event. And the outcome was not quite the same way that the preacher had mentioned. As a matter of fact, it was not right at all. And so he realized, you know what, I, I, this guy's lying. And we don't need preachers like that. We need a preacher who's going to stand up and teach the truth and he's going to live the truth. And that's exactly what we need as far as preachers are concerned. But it's exactly what we need as far as the church is concerned in general. People who will speak the truth. And not just the truth of God's word, but they will be truthful. But Sapphira, she was... She was not only a liar, but she was covetous. More interested in having the money than anything else. Brethren, this is definitely not the kind of woman that we want to have in the church. Now the next one uh, probably can go without saying here, but you ever heard the name Jezebel? Yeah. Uh, you, I've, I've never, I've never 
you know, really thought about this, but, you know, I've never met a child named Jezebel. Have you? It's kind of like the Judas thing. I've never met a, a boy named Judas. Maybe there's one out there. Poor kid. But, you know, you never hear of someone calling a child Jezebel. Now, why is that? <laughs> she was basically evil personified. I mean, she was first in First Kings uh, chapters 21 through 23. I mean, she lied. She murdered. She inflicted physical and mental pain upon people. She was, she was horrible. And she had done so much evil that Jesus even used her name to represent evil. In the book of Revelation. You know, this is the epitome of evil here. Jezebel. That name is so powerful even. That many people of the world. Without any real religious background. Recognize that as a negative name. We don't need women like that in the church obviously. Okay so enough of that. I, Let's stop talking about what we don't need. Let's talk about what we need, all right? I like that. I like being on the positive side of things. So what is this? What do we need in the church from our women today? Well, we need women like Sarah. We need godly wives. In 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God... Adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement or terror. Sarah respected God's design. You know, what's, what's interesting today is that there is an epidemic in, in society, and the, the idea is this, is, is we, like, we like strong women. Now, I think that's pretty much across the board. We, we, we like strong women figures. We like that. Now, the question that I have is, is that wrong? Is it wrong for us to like these strong female figures? Well, not inherently, no. You know, I, I think it even is good. For women to be taught to be strong women. That will come in handy in so many different ways. But when it comes to God's design. Women need to fall in line with what God has taught. And that. Makes a very strong woman. Now. That doesn't mean that she is. When it comes to. The world that she is neglected in the world's aspect. I mean, you know, I I don't think that um, it, it's it's one of the things that, that has been done in several years uh, past is that you know women have given been given the right to vote. That's that's good. That's good for for women to have their right to speak out and the right to do those things. And but when it comes to the way that God has things set up. Women need to be supportive of the roles that they have been given, just as men need to support the roles that they have been given. You know, I've, I've always found this aspect of these ideas of the roles of men and women very interesting. 
Have you ever found that um, you go to congregations and there are, uh, in a lot of congregations, I don't know how this one is, but in a lot of congregations, there are actually more women who would be willing to get up and to present lessons to women than there are men to present lessons to men. Now, that's not 100% across the board, I know, but there are congregations where the women are so frustrated because the men won't do what they need to do. And when you see that, you see uh, an understanding there of how there's a temptation for for women in denominations to get up and to preach and to do that because, well, if the men aren't doing it, then why not? But in the church, we have to respect God's design. And we need godly women that respect God's design. In Hebrews 11 and verse 11, it says, Sarah had faith in, in God to fulfill the promise of having a son. You know, she, she knew that God was going to deliver on his promise. You know what else we need from the women in the church? We need women who are personal workers like Priscilla. You think about Priscilla in Acts chapter 18 and verse 26. It says, And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them, and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So Aquila and Priscilla, they, they took Apollos aside uh, to teach them the full gospel of Christ. You know, he didn't know. He was, he was teaching a different baptism. He didn't understand the baptism that came from God. He did not understand that. And so they, were, they took him aside and they, they taught him the way of God more perfectly. In Romans chapter 16 and verse 3, Paul calls Priscilla a fellow worker with him. She, she's a fellow worker with him. In 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 19, we find out that the church met in her home. That she was inviting for the church to come in and they met regularly in her home. We know that she was a busy woman because she saw the need for helping others. And see, that's what we need. We need women in the church who are working and who are doing good personal work. Another example of some, some women that we need in the church, Eunice and Lois. Now, now what's the importance here? Let's look at 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 7. And I thank God, whom I serve for my forefathers in a pure conscience. How unceasing is my remembrance of thee and my supplications my, uh, night and day, longing to see thee, remembering thy tears, that I, I may be filled with joy, having been reminded of the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in thee also. For which cause I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee through the laying on of, of my hands. For God gave us not a spirit of fearfulness, but of power and love and discipline. So Timothy. Timothy was, you know, of course, Paul's son in the gospel. His son in the faith. But you know what? 
Timothy wasn't anything without his mother and his grandmother teaching him. They were the ones who initially brought him up in the Lord. Got him to open up to these things. You know what? I'm guaranteeing you that Eunice and Lois knew the uh, importance of teaching their children. In in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, their their example is given about how important it is to teach children that that you need to teach them every day and, and... When you're out in the way or whatever, you're at home, wherever you are, you need to be teaching your children and not just teaching them the things that that help them in this life, but teach them the things of the Lord. You know, it's great. You know, I've always thought it's it's a good thing for us to teach our children, you know, to add and subtract and do those things. That's great. But more importantly, they need to be taught about the Lord. You know, I would rather my children know all the things of Scripture that they possibly can than for them to know how to figure out the square root of something. You know, well, that can be good, which, by the way, I've never ever used that, but... Thanks, algebra teacher. I told her. I told her that I would never use that. But you know, when 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 you think about it, brethren, what what's more important? You know, you know something that that we learn in school and that might help us out in life and in our occupation or what, but or that thing, that lesson. That gives us the understanding for eternal life. The thing that teaches us how to be saved. The thing that teaches us how to stay saved. Which is more important? And quite frankly, I think there are many in, in today's society, even within the church, who put so much more of a focus on homework and schoolwork than they do on on the church and spiritual things. And that has been evident, brethren, by, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, it's been evident when I have been a youth minister, when, when people, they, they'd have their kids stay home from services because they had homework to do. Sure, put that homework before God. You'll see what else they'll put before God. We need godly mothers. Another example is in Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 48. When we see that there's a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years, and of course what does she do? She's, she's healed by just teach, uh, uh, touching the hem of Christ's garment. Just, just by just touching it. And Jesus said that her faith had made her whole. You know what? This woman is an example of great faith. And we need to put our faith in the Lord, brethren. You know what? We need women in the church who are examples of great faith. 
As as I as I get older, uh, I realize this more and more. And I know that some of you that have have uh, considerable years on me understand, and and even more so. But growing up, I think about some of those people that I looked up to. You know, some of those men and women. And if you were blessed enough to be reared in the church. Maybe you can remember some examples of great faith. You know, and you think about where you would be without those people. And sometimes we'll say something like this. We'll say, you know what? It, you know, there's not, there's not many brethren like brother, sister, so-and-so. Not, not many people like them, and... and and we, we kind of use that phrase and kind of like they are a pinnacle. And you know what? We'll never reach that. And that's kind of the mentality that we have subconsciously. But you know what, brethren? They started somewhere. And if we don't try to attain that same level of spirituality or better... And where's the church going to be? The younger you are, the more you need good examples. And those of us who are, you know, adults, those of us who are even up in years, if we're not being that example... We need to work on it. We need women in the church that are going to be examples of great faith. We need Christians in the church that will do the same. You know, these two groups that we've talked about this morning, they're complete opposites. But, question here, men, where do we stand in helping the women of this congregation, especially you husbands. You know, a, a husband is a is a good thing, just like a wife here, you know. Oh, the wife oftentimes helps the, the husband to grow. But what about the husband? Shouldn't the husband be doing the same? Help your wives grow spiritually. To the women... What kind of example are you? And what kind of example do you want to be? And are those the same? I pray to God that they are. But you know what? If they're not, <laughs> we don't have to be in despair. You know, I, 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 I like breaking things down into two categories because I'm simple-minded. But, you know, I, I think about it. I, I think about, you know, people who... Who complain and they're they're you know in despair all the time you know and those kind of people I I like to think that there's two kinds of people in this world I think there's those kinds of people that they complain and they they say well I'm not this or we can't do this or whatever they they complain about whatever it is 
And then there's the type of people, the other type, that they do something about it. Now, which one would you rather have with you? The person that complains, the person that's going to do something. And so if we do not fit the mold that God has designed for us, then are we going to be in despair? Are we going to complain? Or are we going to do something about it? Well, if you need to do something about it this morning, we encourage you to please come as we stand and as we sing.